Indiana Jones, Indiana It's a podcast about Indiana Jones. Every movie, one minute at a time. Indiana Jones, Minute. Welcome back to the Indiana Jones Minute, the podcast in which we celebrate and discuss the film Raiders of the Lost Ark one minute at a time. I'm Tom Taylor from IamTomTaylor.com. I'm Pete Mummert from PeteRemembers.com. I'm a slightly thinner and less happy Jerry Porter. <laughs> and we are joined again today by our guest, Paul Sullivan. Welcome back, Paul. Yes, I'm the host of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and probably a bunch of other places I don't realize it's playing on. <laughs> you send it out there and you don't know what happens. And look, I talk baseball in the mic, I send it off, and people write back to me and say, you're wrong about this. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. That's what the internet is for. Exactly, exactly. By the way, I just want to make something clear. I've never seen Raiders. I've only watched these individual minutes. So I'm trying to see if I can follow the story. You really uh, am should. Am I doing this podcast wrong? Am I, am I is no, it, you're... premise incorrect? No, we try to get people who are just kind of uh, fresh to the whole thing. So this is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you really should check out the rest of the movie sometime in yeah, reverse order. I'm going to do, by the way, Mulholland Drive minute. Minute by minute, but... <laughs> But only show to people who haven't seen the film. That's sure. What I'm... Perfect. Um, how would it be any different? <laughs> <laughs> uh, minute 48. That's what we're here for today. Minute 48 begins with Baranka pouring poison on a bowl of dates. And it ends with Indy and Sala discussing <laughs> the Germans getting into the map room. And uh, I like at the beginning of this minute as uh, the music goes from sort of Blade Runner to... The Empire Strikes Back a little bit. It's the, like at the very end of the music here, it kind of sounds a little bit like you get those kind of like distant sort of, I don't think there are voices, but it sounds a lot like Blade Runner, the kind of like, I don't know, exotic sort of sounds that then kind of fade into like a little bit almost of like the Imperial March from Empire in a weird way. I don't yeah. know, but I like it. We got a running theory going that uh, that these movies, and we didn't make this up. This is some sort of internet idea. Uh, that uh, all the Indiana Jones films are Han Solo's dream while he's stuck in carbonite. So, I'm, and, I, and I keep coming up with Blade Runner things too, so maybe Rick Deckard is part of his carbonite dream as well, so we'll have to see. Does regarding Henry fit into this theory at all? <laughs> Not yet, but we're, wa we're keeping a, a watchful eye out, just in yeah. case. <laughs> we have seen some witness. <laughs> yeah. Wait, have we? <laughs> I just assume so. I love how minute 47 ends with Indy looking out the door, and then 48 begins with Baranka pushing the door open from my side of the door. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I, you know, as, as I was like, oh my gosh, I know it's simple. I know you film buffs out there, you're like, what's the big deal? But I was like, oh, I, I was, you know, I'm like, hey, that's my side. And it, he comes in from there, like he snuck right past me. <laughs> like I like to think because we don't see the other, we don't see a reverse shot. I like to think that's the pantry that he's just sort of hiding in the pantry <laughs> the whole time, and then he's there the rest of the night until the leave. Because he's not in the rest of the movie; he doesn't get killed. Well, do real do real assassins tiptoe? 
and sneak I around? I never did. I never did. That was, I mean, that was my <laughs> questions. You know, is, is tiptoeing actually quieter? It could lead to more creeks. Is, is how close is that door to the kitchen? I mean, is that on the street? Is he, I mean, that door is like, leads right to the kitchen. It's just the, the one tiny little screen door, you push it open and you're in the dude's kitchen. Yeah. You know, is that how these houses are, are made up? Well, maybe. maybe it's like the the cutlery or something. All right. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I got, I got, the kid was pretty good. Can I just say, I don't know who the kid was. I don't know if he's gone on to other things. But uh, the kid gives a nice little look. He's like, huh, that door. I wonder what's going on there. And obviously, Baraka has, has run really quickly because he was just there. <laughs> right. And the kid sticks his head out. And yeah. he obviously is totally gone from the picture because the kid is like. Well, that, that, I- that, seems to be, that seems to be a theme in this city. It's like apparently you can, you know, duck down an alley and disappear really, really easily. Yeah. Either that or the kid has a very low self-esteem and he's like, I don't want to cause any problems. Even I, I just saw an assassin come in and poison the, <laughs> the appetizers, but I don't want to rock the boat. Right. I, gotta, <laughs> I, I have to say something about the kid, though. The kid, I just found this out like an hour ago, is actually a little person. I think that's an adult. Huh? He's, he's referred to in the, uh, the complete making of Indiana Jones as uh, a little person. I think he's a, a, a circus guy. Really? Yeah. Wow. Is that for union reasons? They couldn't hire the kid. <laughs> they could keep him all night. <laughs> they didn't have well, to tutor him or anything. It says, it says, and the little person opens the door and looks down the alleyway to see Baranka. No, no, the no, not, not the screenplay, just the, the making of book that I have. It, it re- just refers to that actor as a little person. He's in two shots. Why did they, <laughs> they could have hired a kid for, I mean, I understand the labor laws, but. Or maybe they meant a kid. I mean, kids are little people too. I suppose they're little. Yeah. Maybe they're just being gentle. Maybe. (laughs) Did anybody else notice that Baraka seems to maybe have a fake eye patch? Get out of here! What are you talking about? Because he comes in and he he like does that kind of villain thing and he turns around, but he turns around and looks with the patch. (laughs) He's just that good. He's that good of an assassin. That, that makes me think he really is Baraka, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll get well, you, was, Indiana that Jones. was such a moment where it was clear that, that we got to make sure people know who this is. So, I mean, you, wh- who is he looking back to? I mean, is he, is, he being, <laughs> is he being chased by someone up the, up the alleyway to the guy's kitchen? I mean, if he should be looking around, it's around the corner to see when that kid is showing back up again. Right. Or unless well, he, like, knocked over a bucket of sugar. I I'm think sorry. he's winking, but you can't see it behind the patch. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's me again, kids. I'm going to get that Indiana Jones. You'll see. Don't say anything. Uh, there's some weird stuff. Um, oh, well, okay. There's. It's cool that, uh, you know, Indy starts talking and he's complaining immediately about, uh, you know, how did the Germans get a copy of the headpiece and stuff? And as the audience were like, wait, what? what? And but but that I kind of like that uh, I guess you'll say economy of writing that he um, yeah. that you know we get immediately without having to hear Sala go hey by the way turns out the Germans are already in the map room and they got uh, their own headpiece and everything and you're screwed now you know we just get we cut right to the chase and like ah how did this happen the thing you just told me it's amazing how this film and Empire Strikes Back 
are both written by Lawrence Kasdan. The script was written by Lawrence Kasdan. People are like, yeah, it seemed the most natural and like, it's as if it had a good screenwriter. <laughs> kind of. You know, it's amazing what happens if it's you say, hey, if we hand this over to a person who is skilled at screenwriting, then maybe they can convey things in ways that are compelling. And, and, and then everyone's stunned out of their mind that the last Force Awakens film actually turned out to be a halfway decent film. And you take a look at, hey, can I take a quick peek at the screenwriting credit? Hey, look at that. You know, a funny coincidence is that the other films had a guy with that same name working on them. I'll be damned. It's weird. It's like science. I, I think it's a coincidence, but, um, you know, to, to, to tell, tell it to the judge. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that. Because, I mean, I agree completely, but I was looking at the, this time I was looking at the original screenplay, and this whole business about the other headpiece happens sort of differently. And in fact, Belloc, in the previous scene, mentions it to Indy sort of almost randomly. He's like, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have made such a big deal about the headpiece because... Um, that guy who's not in the movie anymore. He like in the in the screenplay. He goes before he goes to Nepal. He goes to what is it? Be like China, Shanghai. Yeah, he goes, uh, to, yeah, Shanghai. He goes to Shanghai, and there's a guy Hoke or something. Yeah, General Hoke. And that's where he's going to get the headpiece from. But then a t Belloc tells him, "Oh yeah, uh, Hoke had made a lot of uh, copies of it." And uh, well, are and you so talking that's, about the rough draft of the film? I no, mean, it's like it's an it's no, it's it's close enough to the finished film that it seems like maybe it's like a. It might be like a first completed draft or something like that, but yeah, it's it's there are a lot of differences, but a lot of similarities. Do you but have the note cards that they wrote the ideas on, and you've gone through those too, just to sort of. <laughs> we do actually. If you want to check out our website, we have the story conference. Yeah, with like they were talking, where Lucas was getting all creepy about how how let's focus on Indy having an underage Marion, like like. Yeah, I, I, I wonder why you cut that scene out, you know? It is a little odd. And they <laughs> didn't totally cut it out either. There's a little moment going on here. And... Yeah. It's true. But yeah, it's interesting just the way like things happen differently in a way that makes sense. But like, yeah, we keep seeing like every time there's a change that we've noticed from the screenplay or from some plans or something, it always seems to be for the better, that the, they made all the right choices by the time they made the movie. So that's cool. And I got to say, Indy here is in his, uh, he's in almost his full Indiana Jones costume, uniform, whatever it is, except without the hat. And without the hat, he looks like a very normal dude. Like, with the hat and the whip on his hip, <laughs> he looks like, oh, yeah, the costume designer knew that this was a, an adventurer and a dusty dude, and he's got, this is the costume we've designed for him. But here, with without the hat, he looks like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I got my slacks on and my shirt, and it's chilly, so I have a jacket on. I got my glasses. He looks like a very normal glasses. dude. It's like Clark Kent wearing a cape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like that oh, time hey, the Hulk of, stopped halfway through. What? What's up with the telescope on the balcony? I love I that. Think, uh, I, I think that's a little peeping Tommy. <laughs> but of course, why you love it. <laughs> I love Wait, what, I don't know. You're like, what telescope are you referring to here? The alchemist. Oh, guys. And the, and the, yeah, the, the, I love the, the, the soothsayer. It's like yeah. his name's like Imam, alchemist, oh. soothsayer. But let's just call it what it is. He's the old man. He's the old <laughs> yeah. man with the grody telescope. <laughs> and bad, you know, he's checking because you have a telescope and it's not pointed like up really. At, you're like, yeah, it's kind of pointed over the city, you know? 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a nice pit. Yeah. yeah like, it's for uh-huh. stars and stuff. He's gonna cure somebody's that, empatigo that, that's what with every one astrology. of those old men say. <laughs> Come up to my room. I want to show you my telescope. And and your name's Tom. Yeah. I love that. I I so love his apartment though. Like this whole scene in Cairo is it's kind of a magical place. Like we've been talking about, you run down one alleyway and you appear in another one, and people <laughs> like materialize and dematerialize. And this apartment is straight out of. Like Murnau's Faust. It's mm-hmm. like great, weird, like sorcerer guy who lives in this place with a round hole in the wall with a telescope and he's yeah. got crystal balls and there are weird rooms and stairs going everywhere. <laughs> it's just, it's, the, it's, it's like a thousand and one Arabian nights. Yeah. But the nice thing about this, about this great, you know, Norman Reynolds obviously was the great production designer of this. He also was the production designer of Empire and Jedi and mm-hmm. worked on Star Wars and and it's obviously a totally different genre for him to be working in. But the nice thing is, is they don't spend like 10 minutes like showing off all the stuff. It's just flavor. Like there's a stairway that goes up to God knows where. There's a yeah. little room that kind of like in the corner where there's like a picture frame. But it's just there. It's it's detail. It, it folk, the story is so lean and fast that you have this beautiful detailed set. And it's going to be just a place that we're in one scene. You know, instead of like showing off every little corner of it, and I think it's one of the the great things about this. I hate to not say snarky, silly things here, and actually praise <laughs> the film for its excellence and why we appreciate and how great a film it is. And I know that may be off off uh, brand here, but um, I think that that's one of the things that's great about this film is that in the in the hands of a, a lesser director or a less confident director. They would show off this set, and Spielberg knows it's going to be. It's going to seem more magical and otherworldly if they're just in it as if it's an apartment, right? And we're looking at it as this. Why? Oh man, check, what's that? Is that a telescope? What the hell is that over there? <laughs> and Indy doesn't give a crap. He just he's more interested in figuring out where they got the headpiece and if he should eat a date or not, right? <laughs> well, and if you if you squint, if you squint and you look at it, or if you have cataracts. Looks a little bit like Yoda's place. Oh yeah, <laughs> a slightly a taller Yoda's lighting, place. Slightly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you have to squint. It's kind of got the same door. That yeah, round. but there's more headroom. Yeah, a lot, <laughs> a lot more headroom. Maybe that that's easy when you're talking about Yoda's place. I mean, everything has more headroom than Yoda's place. Yeah. Um, Indy says uh, he's complaining again about the headpiece. He's like, there's no pictures or duplicates of it anywhere. So I want to know, how does Indy describe it so perfectly to Marion? <laughs> He's like a bronze medallion about this big with a hole in it off center with a crystal. And he draws it himself <laughs> in chalk to Porkins and Musgrove. <laughs> it just seems a little weird. I think there's, I think, yeah. I like that uh, the soothsayer alchemist Imam old man has uh, Rinso. On the sink. It's like near the sink. It's for tub washing, <laughs> dishing pants. Yeah, come on. They're not savages. That was like the first cousin to Life Boy Soap. <laughs> it's a 30s. For body odor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was uh, actually the Lever Brothers, which became Unilever, which oh now God. owns Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> it all comes full circle. It does. <laughs> this movie has all the answers for everything in life. Well, I think that the entire city... and makes sense because there's been so many freaking pots and pans in this entire city 
and it's just a nice little touch. Yeah, you got to keep them clean somehow. Stuff. That makes it. Yeah, it's totally. <laughs> it's totally in place. <laughs> uh, somebody just mentioned uh, Indy holding a date and deciding whether or not to eat it. It, it seems like he's already forgotten what you do with dates. He explained it to Marion earlier that you eat them. And now he's just like kind of, kind of holding on to it and he has no intention of eating it. He's, he's so distracted. He yeah. forgot what dates are for. <laughs> and we get the yeah. first mention of uh, Dietrich. Yeah. Is, I think, is that the only time he's mentioned by name? Mm. Oh, that's a good point. I could easily be true. Yeah. I think it is. It might be. Yeah. And the, by the way, I have to say this, you have a film here Obviously, one of my all-time favorite films. Uh, but you have uh, you get a Frenchman, and you cast English actor Paul Freeman. Sure. You get a uh, you have to have a uh, uh, a South American man, so you cast Englishman Alfred Molina. Mm -hmm. You have to have an Egyptian man, and you cast Welshman uh, John Rhys Davis. All all these people are terrific actors, but. You know, no one's playing their actual actual you know background, and then you bring in Wolf Collar, who is the most German man <laughs> ever in the history of humanity, and he just nails it. I mean, they, it's the greatest Nazi performance of, of like of a cartoon Nazi, I'm not talking yeah. about Ray Fiennes in in Schindler's List, but I'm talking about like you know of a cartoon Nazi, and it's the best. And they got the, the like, yeah, this is how you do it. You get a German to play this. You didn't get you you didn't hire and some English dude to play it. No, you get the a guy so goddamn German. His name is Wolf. Yeah, he's always like even if he's like he's in Barry Lyndon, where they didn't have Nazis yeah. yet, but he's still a Nazi. Yeah, he found. It's like he said, "I someday, someday, Barry <laughs> Lyndon." You know, he's in uh, um, Remains of the Day playing a distinguished Nazi. Oh, really? I oh, forget yeah, that. That's right. Yeah. Oh, and okay. I don't know why I know this. I don't know where my car keys are. I can't remember if I paid the cable bill, but I know this. <laughs> um, the very first incarnation of the Bourne Identity was a miniseries starring Richard Chamberlain that came out in the 1980s. And Wolf Collar played a German man who had gold-rimmed glasses. And I think his name in the film, in the credits, it said Gold Glasses Wolf Collar. <laughs> it's something weird and wacko like that. But the very first Jason Bourne was Richard Chamberlain. And, uh, yep, I'm, I'd like to see what he thinks of Matt Damon. <laughs> That's actually bizarre. I did not know that. There you but go. then you get Richard Chamberlain, you get Shogun, you get John Rhys-Davis, pow. Whoa! <laughs> Look at that. Well, By the way, also, I'm going to do the uh, the Richard Chamberlain version of uh, the Born Identity minute by minute podcast. And I there think you go. It's going to be a big hit on iTunes. Yeah, because you don't have enough podcasting activity in your life. No, no, no. I have a few hours of the day I'm not podcasting. <laughs> that's that's a good segue though into the Imam guy is played by a Norwegian actor. What? Uh, Tootie Limkow. <laughs> that's not Doug Henning. He was. A, it does look like Doug Henning, doesn't it? <laughs> he was, and we've had a couple Doctor Who references. Um, he was in three episodes of Doctor Who way back with William Hartnell. Oh my gosh! Wow. Where he, he was, was in Fiddler on the Roof. To... I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Was Spielberg realize? Did Spielberg realize he was actually allowed to cast Egyptians in this movie? <laughs> mm, doesn't seem like it, or it didn't occur to him. Yeah. But he's awesome. I love him in this. 
Oh, he's great. He's great. And just I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some guy working uh, Cairo Community Theater saying, you know, I could have nailed that. <laughs> there's a guy like, you know, hired to take down the uh, TV antennas behind Salah's house for that yeah. one shot. And he's like, hey, you know, I, you know, I got my Egyptian SAG card. I could yeah. be in this movie. Yeah, I got my, uh, you know, it's just my headshot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm not just a antenna guy. I was Tevya. In the Egyptian version <laughs> of Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> oh, man. Well, does that do it for uh, Minute 48? Does anyone have anything else? I'm good. All right. We can well, talk more uh, about the soap. We can talk more about the soap at the sink if you want. That's true. I do something about the soap, actually. Now <laughs> the, 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 the quote back in the day for the uh, Rinso was, quote, I'm going to be a modern wife so my husband can be proud of me. <laughs> That's awesome. Was there that in that go. Life magazine? That, it was uh... actually beaten out eventually by Todd. That was one of the number one soaps, and, and Todd took it over. Who, who wants to tell Jerry that this is all going to be cut out because we can barely hear him? Oh, <laughs> I, would. I hate to cut this out, though, in a town full of nothing but pots and pans. This is gold. I know. I will keep it. You all can make it out. We'll, 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 uh, it'll be a closed caption for a uh, hearing impaired uh, episode. <laughs> can you get yeah, Mike, do I sound funny again? Yeah. yeah. You sound like a Dalek. It's another Doctor Who reference. <laughs> uh, oh, God damn it. That's scary. <laughs> okay, call me back. Uh, we're done. We're done. Let's, uh, okay. we'll say goodnight and we'll come back tomorrow, fix Jerry's phone, and everything's going to be beautiful for, uh, oh, Pete. Yeah, why don't you tell us, uh, how people can get in touch with us to, uh, make fun of Jerry's voice? Check us out at IndianaJonesAMinute.com. Check us out on Facebook. And check out Paul Sullivan on Sully Baseball. And come back here tomorrow for Minute 49 of Raiders of the Lost Ark here on the Indiana Jones Minute. Rinso. I'm Jerry Parler. Hey, baby. Rinso. Everything sounds like the one transmission they got from Kurtz in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.